Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the physical, financial, and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're talking about veterinarian compensation with Dr. Mike Pownall. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Care Credit. Mike Pownall, DVM MBA, is a partner in McKee Pownall Equine Services in Canada and a partner in Oculus Insights. That company is focused on helping veterinarians and other members of the animal health care industry improve their businesses. Thank you, Dr. Pownall, for joining us today to talk about veterinarian compensation. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for the invite. And this is a subject I, I love talking about. So if I start rambling on, I don't know, virtually kick me underneath the table and I'll shut up. We could talk forever on this subject. Well, and I realize that you you do speak a lot on this particular subject. But today, I guess I want to focus just maybe sharing some of your wisdom and your tips, because we know finding equine veterinarians to work at practices, no matter what their age or stage of experience, is really hard today. So how does compensation fit into finding, hiring, and keeping equine veterinarians at a practice? Yeah, that's that's a great question. It's a big question um, with a lot of elements into it. So let's yeah. talk about the attracting. Okay. Uh, and I'm, you know, I just, I just, my own practice. We've just hired a couple of vets, so this is front and you know, front and, and of mine with me right now. And that, you know, so it's a challenge because what are you going to base it on? Are you basing what you're offering compensation? What you've always done. Are you relying on what other people in your uh, area are? Uh, We have a very mobile workforce. And so you could be in one area of North America uh, and your cost of living is at one level and maybe your compensation is appropriate for that. But uh, young grads, any vets looking, uh, they want money because most of them are suffering from high debt loads. And so the quickest way they can pay the debt loads off is is money. And so even though you're in an area of the world and you think you have very fair compensation, well, they're also looking at what somebody on the other side of the country may be offering. Um, One of the things I realized several years ago is that um, veterinarians talk to each other and they talk to other veterinarians, classmates who are with different species, what have you. So I realized we're in competition with the small animal vets and yep. the emerge clinics and every other vet uh, type of species out there. So, you know, when I, when I started looking at our compensation structure for our vets, uh, I was looking at, well, what are companion animal vets being paid? Um, because uh, you know that, you know, vets that work with us, they're talking to classmates who are small animal and the small animal vets say, well, I only work three days a week and I make X amount of money. And the equine vet is like going, wow, I'm working five days a week and I'm making 30, 40% lower. Like something's not right. And so then we, we had to compensate. Uh, we had changed our compensation to be, um, you know, it's hard with the pricing structure of equine, particularly in ambulatory practice where we have so much downtime driving around to charge the uh, the the fees to clients or the, you know, our prices to clients that we can pay our equine vets the same as the painting animal, but we can be pretty darn close for sure. 
So, you know, that's, I think that's the first thing is to understand what the market is, um, knowing that really we're not the only game in town anymore. Yeah. And in this highly, highly, highly transparent world, people figure out pretty quickly what other vets are being paid in different parts of the country. And they'll be sitting there going, why don't I get paid that? Yeah. Compensation, as we know, isn't always just about money because, yes, young veterinarians are looking for money to try and pay off their debts and get themselves established. But it's today we're seeing more and more veterinarians who require or demand or are seeking other types of compensation, time off, hours work, less emergency. I mean, what what are people looking for today and what are they offering? So, yeah, you're exactly right. And so we look at compensation. Compensation is, you know, it, to a large degree is money. But when you look at the workforce in general, the reason why people leave a job is often not money. That's not the first reason. Uh, the real reason people lose a, leave a job is a bad boss, bad work environment. Um, we can look at also the, the recent uh, research that the AVMA and AEP have done and you know, quality of life, work-life balance or other factors as well, too. And you can only pay somebody so much, but if they don't like where they're looking, working, they don't like the clients, they don't like the on-call, they don't like the lack of support, I mean, the list can be really long. You can pay them a lot of money. At some point, they're going to say it's not worth it. Uh, and I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion lately of the great resignation and how people are changing careers and what have you. And, and people are really going, you know, they're looking and going, you know, I don't you know, maybe that's the way we did things before the pandemic, but I don't want to do it anymore. And so I think people are realizing, particularly now where there's such a shortage of veterinarians, you know, 10 years ago, it was reverse. But now people applying for jobs, they're in the driver's seat. And and because the supply is far, far lower than demand. And so um, we as as practice owners, practice managers have to be much more in tune to not just the money factor. That's important. But it's, you know, what else are we doing to to maybe we can't pay the top, top dollar. Are there other things we can do? Like, you know, is time something that we can offer them Uh, on call, uh, what have you? Um, You know, there are some people helping, you know, with the compensation to help uh, defray student loans. And I know there are programs that can help with that. Um, So, yeah, I think we have to be creative. This is really what I'm coming down to. As you're looking at things, you're going, what is it that people value? Some people want different things. And so you may have vets or one vet may say, you know what? I want to work five days, six days a week. I'll work as much as possible. And other one says, you know, I, I, I value time off. Or I, 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 I want to work from eight until two, but I'll do that six days a week. So I think we got to be flexible and we, we, we can't be um, tied into how we've been doing things up until now. Well, and that's a great point. So I, I want to go back a little bit and then kind of ask a double question. So how has compensation changed in the past 10 to 20 years? And you've been hiring vets all through that period. And what does compensation look like today? Mm-hmm. So when we started our practice, I can give you a bit of an example of my practice and then uh, comments I hear from other veterinary practice owners now. So it always was you pay everybody on production. The only way they're going to be motivated to work hard is you, you dangle that carrot of production, um, you know, commission based uh, 
compensation. Um, and then you get all these discussions, well, what percentage of revenue should I pay them? And there's a lot of different formulas. Two, now we're seeing more and more practices saying, I'm tired of the production because culturally, it, it's, it's hard to create a, a culture of, of inclusivity, of togetherness, of a, you know, a, a supportive work environment when all the vets are on production and are just looking out for themselves. Uh, because really what compensation does is it motivates people for certain behaviors. And so if you're paying on production, your motivation is work your tail off. That's how you're going to make money. As opposed to what we adopted in our practices, because we saw our culture really starting to deteriorate, is to say, you know what, we're going to pay you on salary. Um, if you select the right people, you have a good work environment, they're good people, they're going to work hard no matter what. And that's what we found. And, and now we pay everybody 100% on salary. The change in culture, the change in how we support each other is, is transformative. Our practice has been transformed. Our model was to, we want to grow the business, the practice, and all of us have a, a role to play in it. And we didn't want a bunch of solo practitioners in a group practice. And so uh, we can have a young vet joining the practice that needs some mentorship. So I can ask a senior vet, is, can you take a bit of extra time to work with this vet, help them develop their skills, confidence, clientele? And they're happy to do it because their compensation is not based on production. And so by them helping this newer, newer vet have confidence, um, you're probably going to retain that vet honor. So you're going to get off this merry-go-round of always trying to attract new vets. Um, and people work together. So it really depends on the kind of culture you want to have because money does influence what people do. I mean, we look at, you know, sport figures and what are the compensations that they get X amount of touchdowns in a season, you know, they're going to get bonuses. Um, and meanwhile, other aspects of their production or what they do, uh, are not really great because all they care about is if I do X, I'm going to get paid Y. Um, Everything else is just not my job. So, and I think we run into a little bit of this in, in equine practice. So I know a, a number of younger practice owners have been talking to me about, yeah, this, this, how do you go to this um, just paying salary? How do you break it out? How do you motivate people? You know, I think you've got to pay people. Um, you got to pay them what the going rate is. So the, the, you know, the whole discussion of compensation is not like, well, somebody's getting paid more than me. You've got to, you know, we've got to meet the standards for your area, for sure, uh, or what the industry is doing. And then there's other factors, and I'm sure that's a conversation for another day, what will motivate people. Um, but money is not really a great motivator. Money is a motivator for assembly line work. But we are knowledge workers. We think of our brain. And Money has a diminishing return in terms of how you motivate people, what they're going to do. You, you get to a level and then more money is not going to make them smarter or work harder. Yeah, that's that's a, a very good point. And so compensation today beyond the money, specifically what like when you're hiring new vets, what are you hearing? What are you having to offer to those vets? Yeah, so what they want is CE. They want support. They want mentorship. They want flexibility with their schedule. I can say right now, it's it's almost become from wherever I'm looking now is it used to be we were six day a week uh, uh, vets, then five days. I think 
if you're not offering four days a week now, it's really hard to compete on the marketplace uh, because you can be offering the same amount of money as somebody else, but if they're expected to work five days, that's a very easy equation to balance out. Yeah. And when you say they're working four days, that's four full days, then they'll have emergency duty or does that include their emergency duty? So in our, our practice here is that they work four days and what we say to them, you have the fifth day off, but you can also use that fifth day. You know, it's like, hey, okay, here's a typical scenario where you're busy all day. You've got your medical records, you've got phone calls and, you know, so many vets are saying, I'm, you know, I'm doing medical records at night. I'm calling clients at night. Oh, I'm exhausted. I don't have time to spend time with my family or do any kind of, you know, me things. And so we say, you know, you know, if, um, think of your fifth day as the day to catch up. You know, so if they you, only have calls four days a week. And that's then they, it. And then they have their emergencies, but they, they don't have the, so like, for example, so, you know, we have, you know, that's, well, our ideal structure is to have four vets uh, in a practice. So they're on call one in four weekends. And so their day off, and so they can have a day off in the week. It could be Tuesday. It's usually, you know, amongst the vets, they pick the day they would prefer to have off. Uh, they're on call during one of their four days that they're working uh, for their night call. Uh, and then, you know, they equitably share the weekend on call and holidays on call. So, I mean, if their day is off, I mean, if they're caught up on their work and, and everything is done, take the day off, go for it. We also offer, and I know a lot of other practices, I'm, I, just, I say myself, and I know a lot, other, a lot of other practices do it as well, too, is that for a weekend on call, they get a loo day. They get an extra day to make up for it. Because, you know, on weekends, many of us, so that's when we do our groceries and do other things. And if you're on call and you can't get to it, so all right, get another day, do, do what you need to do on that day. So that, I, I, it comes to that flexibility and um, we just can't be in that mindset of this is like it's a five or six day, it's a lifestyle. And, you know, if you're a horse person, you're working every day. And like, that, that's just not what people want anymore. And I don't think it's just because they're young. I think it's anybody. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. It may be a cultural shift, not a not a, a career shift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. So what type of compensation today do you need? We started talking about attracting, but what about retaining veterinarians? So you've come on, you, you've had a fairly good work-life balance and so forth, but we know that there is a dearth of veterinarians in a lot of places that are offering some pretty big dollars and bonuses yeah. and different things. So how do you compete to retain the vets that you have now? Typically, when somebody's offering a boatload of money, like when they're backing up the dump truck and just offloading it with currency, um, they're desperate for somebody. And it's usually they're desperate for somebody because they have a hard time hanging on to people. Um, you know, it's, it's often, not always, often it's a poor work environment. Um, uh, maybe their their demands are high and all the things we talk about support mentorship are are just lacking or it's a hostile work environment who knows um and I, and I want to make sure I say it often not all because you know, 
what we're learning post COVID is there's a lot of other factors going on too. So I'm just trying to be general here. Um, So, you know, I think if somebody's been out for a few years, what they, yeah, money's important. Money's really important, but I, I just really want to have somewhere where I, I feel good about myself. I feel appreciated. I have, people have my back. Uh, I'm allowed to grow as a veterinarian. That will go a lot more than, you know what, just pay me money, 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 money. And I think a lot of, but at the same time, I, I'm sure, and I, you know, people have done an internship or just getting out of school and their student debt is, is just daunting. And they see these big numbers offered and like, go on, grab it. I would too. But I think as you go and do that for a couple of years and you're like, you know what? Money's not everything. And I think a lot of people are realizing that. And so, you know, hey, we all have to do it and try it and then go, I'm not getting what I want out of out of my profession. And that changes. So to answer your question you know, a little bit more succinctly is, you know, having that great work environment and, and having these discussions and asking them, I'm going to pay you a competitive salary. I can't pay you what some of these other organizations may. What else do you need? Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, and, and they may say, you know, what? Oh, you know what? Hey, you're somewhere in the northern, you know, you're in the northwest or the Rockies or, or the northeast and it's really cold and um, you're really slow in the winter. Can, can I take extended time off? You know, is that OK? You don't need all the bets around, you know, as an example. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and talking to some of the, the vets who are doing what you're doing and changing the culture of practice, um, I think it was Kelly Zaytunian that said, you know, everything is changing. So you have to be open to the possibilities. She said she has one person that works two days a week and it works great for their practice. Now, I can't yep. imagine any licensed veterinarian who says, oh, I only want to work two days a week, but it works perfectly for the practice she has. So, I mean, that it's unusual to hear people coming out and saying, this is what I want. Somebody else said that if they could only do emergency work, you know, on weekends, that they would love that. Or if they could only, you know, it surprises me to hear. I mean, some of these are experienced vets and some of them are new vets. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, and it's just, we have to be our, we have to be open to those possibilities. And the best way to know is to ask and, and not to assume and not to be, um, you know, offering compensation or just working in those traditional frameworks because there is no, there are no traditional frameworks. They just don't exist anymore. That was then, this is now. And how much of this is pandemic and how much of this is just something that's been coming in our industry for a while? I think it's a combination of the both. I think um, the dissatisfaction with the profession is, oh, that's, that's been developing over a number of years. I mean, you know, the surveys of the, how many uh, AVMA certified college graduates want to go into equine practice has been diminishing prior to the pandemic. The that horrible statistic that 50% of new veterinarians entering equine practice live within the five, first five years, that predates the pandemic. What the pandemic has done is just opened up the wound and really exposed it. And, you know, when we're back to what I said originally, as, as, as uh, when we're recruiting and retaining veterinarians, we're also competing with the companion animal world. And we just know how this profession has just uh, ballooned in popularity with the pandemic with 
um, restrictions on how we could operate, you know, when we're doing curbside pickup and what have you, and just the strain and how clients abuse staff um, and, and people are just getting um, fed up. And so when you have the companion animal profession desperate for associates, they can typically afford more to, to pay more than equine practices. Like that's why we're all in this together. Um, and, you know, when you have a shortage, uh, you got to find out what really attracts people. Well, and is in your hiring, as you have said, you know, you've hired mm-hmm. multiple people and some have come and some have gone. That's that's kind of typical in any practice. Absolutely. But yeah. What what is it that you are seeing? Are you seeing any trends in compensation that you would pass along if, if I'm a vet and I say, boy, I really would like to get a young associate in here or somebody that's in the first five years. And and really, what what is it that I need to suit myself up first? to know that I'm going to have to offer to get that person. Number one is to be competitive with your environment. And so uh, as we started the conversation, it's just, you have to be competitive. Uh, So the discussion of money is off the table. People know that they're getting paid, uh, you know, close to equivalent of a small uh, animal practitioner or mixed animal food animal practitioner in your neck of the woods. Um, you know, some of the starting salaries that we have traditionally offered equine vets are that just won't cut it anymore in this day and age. It won't cut it anymore. I think we need to have frank discussions because I've had a number of people ask me like, well, I hear all these inflation and the price of gas and, you know, I, I expect my money to go with that. And I think we need to be a little um, we need to spend the time to educate people. Um, you know, to tell them, well, sure, I can, I, I can pay you what you want and we can match inflation, but I've got to raise our fees that much to accommodate that. How do you think our clients are going to take to that? And they're like, oh, they, they realize very quickly it's a vicious circle. And, yeah. and you, you know, and, and inflation, uh, hopefully I'm knocking out what, as I say this, it, it does end at some point. Um, but, you know, then it's the, okay, well, what else do you want? So, um, you know, we got to a point this year and we didn't want to do it, but we had been the on-call vets for a horse show, like the biggest horse show circuit in Canada. Oh gosh, I'd say 15, 16 years. And this year we said, I can't do it. I just can't do it because our vets are, we're busy, you know, like a lot of other vets were busier than ever. The added burden of having to attend to horse show emergencies day and night is just too much. And so at some point you got to say no. You know, um, some of these practices are growing. Uh, we're still growing a lot. And, you know, um, maybe you say no to new clients. Or you go around and you get rid of the clients that just suck the energy out of everybody because they're just, yeah. they just, they're not team players and they demoralize people. So you could be paying, like I said earlier, you can be paying somebody so much money. But if they have a bunch of clients that are disrespectful, non-compliant, always berating them, going online and complaining, at some point, somebody's like, this is not what I signed up for. And that, those are good points. So is there anything else, Dr. Pownell, that you would want to talk about as far as veterinary compensation? I think the one thing um, that we didn't talk upon, but it has come up often. And I just, we did our employee engagement survey for all our staff. So we've got comments back and we identify who are vets. Uh, it's anonymous and who are support staff. And one of the comments we get year after year, but we got, we got a lot this year is the management understands the need for quality of life and they're doing what they can. A. Number two, and this is something we haven't talked about yet, we just hinted at, was 
they support me. So if somebody calls up and complains about something, which happens, um, I'm not, as a vet, I'm not thrown underneath the bus. Um, management supports us and doesn't necessarily say the customer is always right. Go out there and make it better. That, that, that really um, helps a lot that they feel supported and that, uh, that we as practice owners and leaders understand the challenges now and are doing what we can to uh, find solutions. So it's well, much more collaborative. I guess that's where it comes down to. It's more collaborative. Well, thank you, Dr. Pownell, for joining us today. I always learn a lot, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people interested in what you have to say about this. So your your phone may or not be ringing off the wall once this is published. But well, I would we, love it when people are contacting, so I'm, I welcome it. There you go. So you heard it right from Dr. Pownell. You got a question, give him a call. Um, But anyway, thank you very much for joining us today for the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, for letting us do these podcasts. And you can hear all the podcasts, the past ones, on your favorite network like iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever. Or you can go to equimanagement.com and look at the Business of Practice articles. And every podcast player is embedded in those articles. And you can read a little bit if you like to, to get your information that way. And if you have any questions or suggestions, make sure to send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. 